Hello, my name is Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're in a series that is focusing on the fact that Jesus is coming anytime. And we need to be ready, we need to be watching, we need to be waiting. We're calling this dual imminence, which is a, admittedly a theological term. What, it, what imminence means is that Jesus could come in the rapture at any time. We don't know when he's coming, and therefore uh, he will come suddenly without warning signs, and therefore we have to always stay ready. That's why he's kept it a secret, as it were. Uh, and so we need to be always watching. And we've been, last time we saw this from Jesus' own teaching, his main emphasis in his end time teaching. We saw in, in Luke chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 17 so far is that we must always be ready because he, the master, will come at any time. And when he comes, he will bless his faithful servants who are watching and ready for him and living accordingly, but also for those who are, who are not believers, he will come as a thief, as a thief in the night. He'll come suddenly again. His coming is imminent. It could happen any time without warning. But for those he comes as a thief in the night, they will suffer loss. They, they will, it will not be good for them. And of course, what will happen is that they will find themselves overtaken by the events, by the judgments of the tribulation. So what we've been seeing is that there is a dual imminence in Scripture. First of all, the rapture of the church, when Jesus comes for his church, that is imminent. But also, the start of the day of the Lord is imminent. The day of the Lord in Scripture, from the Old Testament all the way through, is, is not the same as the second coming of Christ. The day of the Lord is otherwise known as the tribulation. It's a period of time that's at least seven years long. It's the seven years I'm referring to is Daniel's 70th week. And uh, it, 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 it includes that 70th week of Daniel. It's a time of divine judgment. And it's described in the greatest detail in the book of Revelation from chapter 6 to 19 of escalating judgments and described as birth pains and, and other judgments. And um, they will come to their climax at the great and awesome day of the Lord, which is the day of his second coming. But the, even the start of the day of the Lord, when Christ himself breaks open the, the six seals of the, the book that is the title deed of the earth. As he breaks those seals open, he releases judgments, even at the start of the tribulation. So the whole tribulation, the day of the Lord, is a time of divine judgment. And it's also known as the end of the age. It's the final period of the age. And so we, dual imminence basically means that his coming to bless the church in the rapture is imminent, and the start of the tribulation, the day of the Lord, is imminent. And since they're both imminent, they must be simultaneous, because if one came before the other, then the second one wouldn't be imminent. So they are, in, they are together. And therefore, when Christ comes from the, for the church, he also comes to initiate the day of the Lord, this time of judgment on the earth. And so his coming it will have two purposes accomplished at the same time. He comes suddenly to bring judgment on the earth, and at the, as described in the book of Revelation, and at the same time, he comes to rescue his people from that coming judgment, because we are not appointed to the wrath of God. And that means the tribulation 
must take place on the same day as the rapture. All right. So uh, the, this is, um, this is, we've seen this, as I say, in Luke 12 and 17. And then later, uh, Jesus reinforced this end time teaching of his in the Olivet Discourse. This was, of course, shortly before he would die. And this is where he brings all of this prophetic teaching together in, in a great conclusion in Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? There's that term, the centelia of the age, the, not the final end, which is the second coming, but the uh, end period of the age, the centelia, the sun means with, the telia is the end. So that is the events associated with the end, the consummation of the age. So there are really two questions there, although they are very connected. In answering the, the first question, what's the sign of his coming? Jesus, of course, knew that when they asked that question, they the coming they were thinking about was his coming in power and glory. That's what was already being predicted in the Old Testament. So they naturally thought about that aspect of the coming. And so Jesus started by answering the question of what is the sign of the second coming by describing the events of the end of the age, of the consummation of the age. Because those events of the tribulation are exactly the signs that lead up to his coming in power and glory. And that is described in great detail in verse 7 to verse 30. Uh, he describes the signs at the beginning of the tribulation, the signs at the middle, and the signs right at the end, just before the Lord returns. And so the second coming in power and glory is not imminent. It's signposted. And you'll even know the exact day if you're in the tribulation when it's going to happen. Jesus talked about the start of this time by comparing it to the time of birth pains suffered by a woman about to give birth. He says in verse 7, nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That describes world war. That corresponds to the, the first two seals in Revelation 6. And then he says there'll be famines pestilences and earthquakes in various places, in other words, all around the world. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. They are the beginning of literally birth pains. And they exactly correspond to the, what happened at the breaking of the seals in Revelation 6. And Jesus then went on to describe this as a special time of tribulation. All right. Now, of course, we go through tribulation even now in the church age, but this is a technical term talking about a time of, of, of tribulation that is, is on a different level to what we're experiencing right now. And it says this time of tribulation would get increasingly worse and ultimately turn into the great tribulation. Let's just see that quickly. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. And then in verse 21, he says a bit further on, then there will be great tribulation. This is when the abomination of desolation uh, is put up by the Antichrist. There will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. This will be worse than any other time in history. This is still future. 
and this great tribulation will be brought to, to, it, to its end by the Christ's return. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, you see, that sun will be darkened. So it's after the, a particular time of, called the tribulation will be the second coming. It's not talking about the general tribulation of the church age. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. There will be signs in the heavens. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. So having answered that question in great detail, what are the signs leading up to his second coming? Jesus then suddenly changed the subject and he described a different event that has no warning signs, an event that is imminent. And he does that in verse 36. This, he uses a phrase which is peri day, and this is always used to signify a change of subject. Still on the theme of end times, but it's a change of subject and it's translated by our but which is good. In other words, he says, but by contrast, from what I've just been talking about, let me talk about another aspect that you don't know about, which is another phase of my coming, which is part of the mystery, which is new revelation, really. And this, unlike the second coming, is imminent. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. And he's talking about the rapture and the start of the tribulation. As, as we read on, we'll see that. Not even the days of heaven, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only God knows. Now, this is not talking about the second coming in power and glory, but actually he's now answering the other question. Remember, in verse 3, the question was, what's the sign of my coming, of his coming, and what's the sign of the end of the age? What's the sign of the tribulation? How can you know what signs precede the start of the tribulation? That's the other question. And when he comes to answer this question, he's basically saying, there are no signs. There are no warning signs. It's just going to happen, and it will take you by surprise. It's imminent, in other words. So he's, the question is, what's the sign of the end of the age? And he basically says, no one knows the day and the hour when the end of the age will begin. Uh, and so having answered the first question, about the sign of his coming, he now answers the second question of the sign of the end of the age by saying, by way of contrast, there are no signs to the start of the tribulation. No one knows when it will start except God himself. It's God's secret. And then the next verses continually reinforce this same point, this same emphasis that no one knows, that we have to stay ready, that the day of the Lord is imminent, and therefore you need to be ready. Let's see how he develops that thought. Verse 37 to 39. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away in a worldwide judgment, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So now Jesus is talking about another coming of his, or another phase of his coming, which will be imminent. Nobody knows that it's going to happen, and it's going to involve, as Noah was, as it were, rescued before the judgments are poured out, when Jesus comes, he will rescue the believers 
into himself, and then he will pour out a worldwide judgment on the earth that is compared to the flood. He says it's just going to be the same. The pattern is established with Noah and his flood. Just as the flood was released suddenly without warning, so he's going to come and release the judgments of the tribulation, but he will also provide a rescue for the believers at that very same time. So just as in the days of Noah, life on earth will be going on as normal. He's not describing Armageddon. <coughs> He's describing life at the end of the church age before the rapture. Life is going on as normal, eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And then suddenly the worldwide tribulation flood will come upon the earth and there will be no escape from it. And so the day of the Lord, in other words, is imminent, is what he's saying. And it will be a time of divine judgment. And at the very same time that all believers, at that very same time all believers will be rescued to safety into Christ, the ark of our salvation. Praise God. This imminent rescue, which will come suddenly as a surprise, uh, while people are, you know, people will be going around their, their, their normal lives and suddenly they will be raptured. And that's exactly what is described in verse 40, 41. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken. That's the word paralambano. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Now, now people now, um, I, I, I would say that the ones who are taken are taken in the rapture. That's what he's talking about. The, the deliverance of Noah into the ark, taken away from the scene of judgment, and the others are left. But some would argue it the other way around. They would say some are taken in judgment. And the ones that are left are, are, the, you know, are, are the righteous who survive. And so how can we decide that issue? The argument for those who say it's the taken in judgment, they would say, well, look, look in verse 39, and there it says that the flood would, will take, took them all away. And so because the same English word taken is used, surely it's the, the wicked that are taken. But actually, in the Greek, two different words were used. So if Jesus really wanted to make that connection, he would have used the same word in the Greek. But actually, two different words are used. So Jesus isn't making that connection. It's just an unfortunate aspect of our translations. Jesus actually used the word paralambano when he says one will be taken. And this is always used in a positive way, not a negative way. All right. Um, to talk about to be taken with. It's the word used for a man taking a woman to be with him in marriage. Joseph took Mary as his wife. And uh, we're going to see that Jesus actually used this very same word, paralambono, the next day to describe the rapture. Uh, and so this word is, is saying that two men will be in the field, suddenly one will be taken in the rapture. Imminence. He's not expecting it. It just happens in a moment. The other will be left, and this word left generally will, is, is used to mean abandoned. He's abandoned to remain on the earth to go through the tribulation. Let's see this use of this word paralambano that's translated taken. In the next day at the Last Supper, Jesus gives another wonderful description of the rapture. Verse Chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house, that's heaven, 
we pray to our Father in heaven, don't we? In my Father's house, it's the dwelling place of God, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And that word receive is paralambano. He's going to take us to be with him. He's going to personally come and fetch us and take us to be with him in heaven. Take you to myself, that where I am, and he's talking about being in heaven, there you may be also. So this describes a promise of Jesus to come for his believers only and to take them to his Father's house in heaven to be with him. Praise God. And this is different from the second coming, where he actually manifests himself to the whole world. And rather than returning to heaven, he actually stays and establishes his kingdom on earth. And so this is talking about the rapture, the promise of the rapture, praise God. His special coming for his church to, to receive him, take them to heaven, and then the events of the tribulation take place on earth. And this verse also teaches the imminence of the rapture by using the present tense. Literally it is, not I will come again, but I am coming and will receive you to myself. I am coming, that's, the, that's called the futuristic use of the present tense. Which, in other words, this is a future event, but it's so imminent and it's so about to happen that it's translated by a present tense. He says, I am coming, and that means I'm, I, I could come at any time. And then Jesus applies this principle of imminence to us. He says in verse 42, watch therefore, this is, should be how we respond to this information. Watch therefore, be, be awake, be alert. By the way, this word, watch, means to be awake, alert. And spiritually speaking, it's talking about uh, being awake rather than be sleeping. To spiritual sleeping is to be out of fellowship with God. Um, it, it's to be, uh, you know, you may be awake to the world, but you're sleeping as far as the things of God are concerned. You're spiritually dull. You're spiritually asleep. You're prayerless in your life. And that is... He, Jesus is saying, live prayerfully, live spiritually awake, that the things of God should be more real to you than the things of this world. Sadly, many are sleeping, and so they're dull to the things of God, but they're very awake to the world. So Jesus is saying, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. See, even believers don't know when he's coming. You do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this. And then he gives again the thief in the night. He says, know this. This is the other side. So on the one hand, believers don't know when he's coming in the rapture, but also the world doesn't know when he's coming as the thief. Verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. So the unbeliever who is not watching or expecting Jesus to come, um, he will experience his coming as a thief. He will experience loss and even judgment as he finds himself in the tribulation. Therefore, he says, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You need to be ready, first of all, because Jesus is coming, so you, be, you know, be ready so that you might be blessed when he comes. 
But if you if you if he takes you by surprise and you're not ready, you will experience him as a thief. You will experience loss. Again, for some, you see, Jesus is coming as a thief. Uh, the coming of a thief is imminent, without warning. And those who are not ready will experience loss. But the thief, I want you to notice this. This is implicit in the illustration because the nature of a thief is to take something, to take something from the house. The thief comes suddenly to take the precious things from the house. And so Jesus is coming to take something from the earth. And it's actually, he's not really a thief because he's only coming to take what belongs to him. He's coming to take his own, to be with him forever, whom he values as most precious because he has redeemed us. He's purchased us with his own blood. The value he has set upon us is infinite. It's the value of his blood. So he's coming to take what belongs to him, those who've given their hearts to him. He's not really a thief, but for the world, which will suddenly discover a billion people missing, it will be as if a thief had come. Well, this passage, you see, teaches that his coming to rescue his church in the rapture and his coming to release the tribulation flood on the earth, they're both imminent events. They will happen suddenly without warning on the same day. Both, as it were, his people will be surprised as they're suddenly caught up and the world will be surprised as they suddenly come under the judgments of the day of the Lord. And, and th this next few verses is in Luke 21. It's from the same talk in the Olivet Discourse, but he adds this. Verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing. That means dissipation. Wasting your life, indulging the flesh. Drunkenness and the cares of this life being so into the world that, that you, you are intoxicated with all the worries of this life and, you, and there's no room for God. He says, watch out that you're not in that state and that that day, and he's talking about the day of the Lord, come on you unexpectedly for it will come as a snare and this is imminence. This is a, an animal trap. All right, you know, an animal trap, the poor animal, he walks and then suddenly it snaps tight on him and now that animal is doomed to destruction. And he had no warning for it, it just happened quickly. He says that day, the day of the Lord will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And this word is, is actually talking about earth dwellers, it's used many times in Revelation for unbelievers. In other words, Believers are citizens of heaven. That's our primary identification. Earth dwellers, for them, all there is is this life and their involvements in the world, and that's it. And so they are called earth dwellers. And all those who dwell on the earth, the, all the unbelievers, will come under the tribulation. And of course, they'll have a chance to repent and become uh, uh, part of the kingdom of God, but they are going to face that tribulation on the earth. And so Jesus says, watch therefore and pray always that you might be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And, and here's a, a clear statement that God is providing an escape from all these things that will come upon the face of the whole earth. And these things, if you read back in Luke 21, is describing the events of the tribulation. He's saying you, there is an escape from all the events of the tribulation for those who are prepared. Uh, now, 
How can we, uh, and, and instead of going through those events, it says, that will come to pass, they will stand before the Son of Man. In other words, they will be lift, lifted up above the earth. Because these events take place to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, the only way to escape them is to actually leave the earth. And these people are going to be raptured and they're going to stand before the Son of Man. They're going to be taken into the very presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. And how can they, do, how can they receive that, that escape? It says they must be counted worthy. That's one manuscript says counted worthy. How can you be counted worthy? By being good enough? No, by receiving Jesus as Lord. Then you receive his righteousness. Then you are counted worthy. It's not that you are worthy through your performance. You're counted worthy because you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. There's an alternative translation that in the newer manuscripts, uh, sorry, in the, in the newer translations, which says that you may have the strength to escape or that you have the strength within to escape. And this is actually talking about that when you receive Christ, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. The Spirit lives inside you and it's the power of the Spirit within you that will give you your rapture, that will give you your glorified body. And when Jesus returns, your body will be transformed through the in in duo, in the, the dynamic strength of the Spirit within you. So he says, pray and make sure that you receive Christ, that you will then have the, the, the righteousness of Christ and his Spirit within you, and that will be the basis for your salvation in the rapture. And so we see again the imminence of the day of the Lord, which will suddenly overtake those who are not ready, and that at the same time, God will provide a dramatic escape from all those things, the events of the tribulation, um, through being lifted up into the presence of God, where we'll stand before Christ and, and the judgment seat of Christ. And he finishes by saying that being ready for Christ's return is, is to be prayerful, be awake, but it's also manifested in faithful servants service, the use of one's um, time and talents for the Lord. And that's what he says there in verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. So how can we be ready? If we are to be watchful, we are to be spiritually awake, we are to be prayerful, we are to be looking for his coming and living our life accordingly. And that includes faithfully serving God with, with the assignments that he gives us. And then when he comes, he'll be able to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11am Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service. Or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products, where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.